All right, so everybody, we're going to get started. Thank you for joining. This is the Art of Mindful Medicine, Episode 10, Part 2. So I am your host, Dr. Seth Gilson, and my special guest again is Dr. Deep Shaw, pediatric dentist in Pennsylvania. And last time we talked about a little bit of uh, Dr. Shaw's journey and what, uh, what led him to get into medicine and some mindfulness practices and a little bit about uh, pediatric dentistry to begin with. So if you didn't get to see part one before you watch this episode, it is really valuable to go back and take a look at those things that we talked about in part one. Um, and I'll do a quick little recap of some of the, the, the last couple of things we talked about, which was the, the three most important factors when it comes to children's oral health in, in Dr. Shaw's uh, view. And the three things were diet. And one of the things amongst diet we talked about was getting enough water, which is extremely important considering our bodies are mostly water. Um, sleep hygiene, which is extremely important. And reading the ingredients of your dental products. So, Dr. Shaw, if you could just give people a quick rundown of that again, uh, your opinion, and then, then we'll s start moving a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. So, good to be back on. I'm excited for this session. It'll be a little bit more, I think, practical and kind of more, more into like the uh, the actual dental visit and dental product yeah. types, you know, uh, realm. So, the, those three things you mentioned are exactly, those are my, my top three, what I've come across and what I believe in from what I've seen. So, the first one was diet. I think it literally controls everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it supersedes genetics uh, in many regards. Uh, it supersedes home care uh, on many fronts as well. So I think just, you know, knowing what a karyogenic diet is, how sugar, how processed foods, how since the Industrial Revolution, our nation, and probably just the world in general, mm -hmm. uh, has gone to a more of a processed diet, processed sugar, refined sugars, that's causing a, a huge spike in the number of cavities. And also I tell pa parents and patients that as a child, we all have enamel, but the enamel on a baby tooth is a lot thinner. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it's, they're a lot more prone to getting cavities, and hence we've seen an increase um, in that. I think the most chronic condition affecting children now is actually, you know, dental caries. Mm -hmm. It's five times more prevalent than asthma, believe it or not, and seven times more common than hay fever. So yeah, it's definitely that's... a big, big epidemic that we're hitting. Yeah. Now, when you said a cariogenic diet and, and dental caries, uh, tell people a little bit exactly what you mean. Yeah. So the the biggest thing here is it's, it all comes down to pH and how to regulate and neutralize your pH. And this is why your saliva is so important because it acts like a, a buffer. Mm -hmm. Now, kids are going to be kids. I'm a big believer in that. Even with my boys, it's like, hey, you have a birthday party. All right. As much as this kills me, here's a Capri Sun, buddy. Yeah. Like, you know, and and um, it's, it's going to happen. Right. It's just the part of being a child and, and, and childhood and experiencing that. Yeah. But it's also being mindful. Of, hey, how often are they having, you know, things with sugar or a exactly. heavy carb? heavy carb diet. Now there's something called the Stefan curve and it, it's a, it's a pH curve that tells you that from the moment you put something in your mouth, that's non-water. So mm -hmm. anything that has carbs or is, is it be able to break it down to carbohydrates, it drops the pH from like a 7.3, 7.4, uh, below, you know, into the acidic zone mm -hmm. and it's going to stay there for about 20 minutes. So your mouth is acidic for 20 minutes until your saliva and everything starts to rebuffer that mm -hmm. into back into the neutral zone or call it, you know, back to, back to home and, uh, back to homeostasis. So you, let's say you eat something at seven o'clock, you have until seven twenty until your mouth is acidic. But now let's say you take a bite of something else at seven fifteen. Well, seven twenty no longer applies. You have to take 20 minutes from seven fifteen, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, gonna, gonna put you at, kind of set you back a little bit more again. So the thing I tell parents, like, it's okay to, you know, I understand with snacking, you just don't want your kid to be a frequent snacker. Yeah. 
a lot of times parents will think, hey, like my child's great. They're doing, you know, they don't eat any of the sugar stuff, but they eat, they love fruits. And right, mm-hmm. I, get, I get that a lot, like apples, they love their strawberries, which is definitely a much more natural way of having a diet. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a great alternative. But keep in mind that your fruits have something called fructose, which is still a fermentable sugar that your teeth can use to turn into, you know, in, into processing into acid and that acid causes uh, holes in your teeth and you get mm-hmm. cavities. Mm-hmm. So it's a simple formula I tell people, it's that sugar, plus bacteria equals acid. Mm-hmm. And that's the acid that causes erosion, causes dental caries. And what we need to do is just minimize certain things, drink a lot of water, like you alluded to, to help maintain a nice buffer in our mouth. Absolutely. Great. Very good yeah. advice. I, I completely agree. And, and I and like you were, you were saying, it's the frequency in which we snack that, that it's not, I mean, yes, what we snack on obviously makes a, makes a big difference. But just because we're eating something healthy, like an apple or, or some sort of fruit or something, there is a high level of sugar in a lot of these, in a lot of fruits and, and even vegetables, um, like carrots and things yeah. like that. There's there's tons of sugar in them. Um, so right. it's it's good to have a daily, but maybe not six times a day. Uh, yeah. So you, yeah. you how, how much you just try and limit the amount of servings that you have spread throughout the day, basically. Correct. So. You know, that's exactly what it comes down to. Yeah. Don't get, yeah. Don't get crazy with like fruit morning, lunch, you know, snack, dinner. Like that's a lot of fruit. So keep things within that serving size or portion. Yeah. Um, if you need like a full, like a food pyramid to help guide you, mm-hmm. I know they've modified that as well, but use things like that. Like you mentioned too, like, yeah, don't, don't get fixated on, on one, on one thing thinking it's good for you. Cause even though I say everything in moderation, including moderation itself, right. Yeah. They say, <laughs> but you, if you exceed that limit, like you mentioned, it'll have detrimental effects. Absolutely. Um, and the other one that you mentioned was sleep hygiene. Yeah. Uh, sleep is another big thing. And I, I think from, from the, the point that I'm looking at sleep is also from, from an overall health. So it's not necessarily in regards to dental health, although sleep hygiene does play a role in dental health. The biggest mm-hmm. thing from a dental standpoint is I, I always do an airway assessment on kids just to see how their airway looks. And so I do something called a Malampati and Brodsky score that evaluates um, the size of their uvula, how much of a distance they have in a vertical dimension and also in a horizontal dimension uh, and take that into account to see how they're sleeping. Biggest thing here is I have everyone, if you, if you close your mouth and you just swallow, you'll see where does your tongue reside? Mm-hmm. It goes right to the top of your mouth and to the palate, you know, and your upper palate. That is the natural home of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of kids who have either, let's say, a lingual frenum or if they're just poor sleepers because they have big adenoids and they can't breathe well, well, you'll see them starting off like this and literally maybe within the first like 15 minutes, they'll go, Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to catch and avoid because at nighttime you want to you know use that nose for nitric oxide mm-hmm. release, vasodilation, uh, get good blood flow. Has a lot of great benefits. And so I feel like the way you sleep affects the rest of your day. Um, I think we've talked about this a little bit as well. Like hey, the ADHD. I think I personally think a lot of it can be uh, mitigated through good sleep. Mm-hmm. Now there are certain instances where, Hey, you need medication. You'll need your, you know, Ritalin, your Adderall and things like that to help, you know, um, abate the issue. But in a lot of cases, some good sleep will really, really help in understanding where, where, you know, where things are going wrong and going awry. Um, so that's from, from, from the sleeping front, uh, from the, from a dental standpoint and then overall health standpoint, like we said, I don't want kids that, you know, having attention deficit disorder, if you know, they can't pay attention at school it's three o'clock in the afternoon. They're big yawns, right? And they're Mm -hmm. really tired. And so these are things that, you know, with a good night's sleep, have a dark, have blackout curtains in the room, you know, um, phone, you know, kids like minimizing phone usage, minimizing TV before bedtime, establishing a good routine. And so these are things where we're kind of, we could have a whole other session on this, but in a nutshell, 
and then in a nutshell, just kind of like what you can do to minimize blue light stimulation when you go to bed so that your child can optimize and get eight, nine, 10 hours of sleep that they need. Absolutely. And, and it's extremely important just for your body to rest and recover itself. I mean, there, there's thousands and thousands of chemical reactions that go on internally all throughout the day. And when we're sleeping, when we're not, our digestive system isn't constantly, constantly being utilized and we're not using all, the, of our, all of our larger muscles, our body is healing and, and recovering from, from the day, from day to day. So this happens yes. in kids. Yes, it happens more rapidly. They may require less sleep than adults and things like that, but still getting them to sleep. And again, this, like I said, this, this, this applies to adults. I mean, getting the proper amount of sleep is extremely important. And I think it's very underestimated when it comes to our overall health. 100%. 100%. You nailed it. Um, so I think, and Patty asked a question, what about eating fruit with a meal in Ayurveda? They don't advise it. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And this is like one of those things where it's hard. It like depends on your personal, you know, belief. And um, I ran to our little guy at a birthday party and we, I ran to a couple who they stopped eating eggplant at night because of, you know, uh, the, the nightshades and the effect that it had on her arthritis. Mm-hmm. So these are one of those things where like, you know, I would also talk to like, you know, a medical provider in, in terms of that, depending on, you know, if there are certain situations, I will be very honest and upfront that I am not, don't have that breadth of knowledge. Uh, in terms of with, with Ayurvedic practice, I, I do practice some Ayurveda myself, especially with turmeric and things that mm-hmm. you know that are homeopathic. But in terms of hey, on, on a diet diet stand front, I am not your best resource in terms of that. Mm-hmm. But I can certainly, if anyone has questions, I have no problem. I do know a few folks who who are into that, and I can get you in touch with them. But it's a great question, and, and it poses a great answer. Where I think there's no right or wrong. Yeah, I think we're all of us are on this bell curve. And some people can be very sensitive having fruit with, with that. And some people on the totally other, other end of the spectrum, and most of us, like say, fall in between where, hey, if we had it, if we didn't have it, it really wouldn't affect us. Yeah. Uh, but to optimize your health, um, yeah, you got to do, I think, find the one that's right for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know in Ayurveda, your, your specific body type plays a big role in the different types of foods that you should eat and, and especially when you should eat them. Um, but I think the biggest thing, what we were talking about for oral health is the frequency and, and, when, and how it re, um, relates to cavities is the frequency in which you have these sugared and, well, hopefully you're just avoiding processed foods altogether, but sugared foods. Um, and, and because the more frequent you eat them, the more likely you are to have cavities because you're just going to be creating that more of an acidic environment more often throughout the day. Absolutely. So, yes. And so I just alluded to that saying it's about the uh, digestion rate and fermentation. And yeah. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Absolutely. So um, the last thing was reading the ingredients on the dental products. And we're going to get into that too. So I, I don't want to get into that, that part right now, but we're going to talk about that in, a, in, a, in just a few minutes. Um, so, and again, I, I appreciate everybody stay, uh, joining us today uh, with Dr. Deep Sean and myself. Uh, we are talking all things dentistry and it's more specifically pediatric dentistry. And Dr. Shaw, if you could explain to people, what is the oral microbiome briefly? So we have, they yeah. have a little bit more of an understanding of how these things work and, and what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so I guess in a nutshell, the, the best way to put it, so it's like in a simple form, is that it is a combination of, of factors, including bacteria, what you eat, and, and the kind of, in a nutshell, it, it's a good and bad bacteria and the balance between them to achieve a balanced or homeostatic environment that is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Now you have the same thing in your gut. You have a gut biome with good and bad, but with the mouth, it's the gateway to the body. So the goal here is just to establish a good balance between, you know, you're never going to get rid of the bad, Mm -hmm. but to have enough good that can override the bad. So that way, Hey, you don't have cavities or helps to prevent 
I know from you from having bad breath, for example. Mm-hmm. And so these are small things or you don't you want to have nice, healthy gums. You know, you don't want bleeding gums. So these are all ways that you can help to establish a proper microbiome or a healthy mouth um, that doesn't lead to not just, you know, soreness or canker sores mm-hmm. or infections of the mouth, but also doesn't, you know, go systemically and affect the heart because there's some association with periodontitis and like, you know, and, and, and myocardial function. And so these are things that we want to obviously, you know, be very mindful of mm-hmm. uh, that, hey, the mouth is the gateway. And if you take care of it well, it does translate to, you know, in most cases, a very healthy body also. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said, it, and that's exactly how I translate it to patients, that our mouth is our the gateway to our body. 99% of the things that we put in our body go through our mouth. So if we have a, a proper balance of the of the bacteria in our mouth, that translates to the rest of our gastrointestinal tract. And that our gastrointestinal tract is, I mean, one of the most fundamental aspects to our overall health. So and, and when it comes to bad breath and, and gas and acid reflux and all these different types of things, uh, GERD and I mean, there's just uh, tons of tons of different disorders that are all chronic that like cardiovascular disease can be avoided based on keeping the proper balance of, of our, and maintaining homeostasis in our body. So um, what are some of the things that you do to teach kids the importance of oral health? Yeah, so I, I'm big on visual. I think kids are huge visual learners. And so I like to show them pictures of like a healthy tooth or a tooth that's sad. Um, if we'd go out and do community projects, for example, we'll do a lot of experiments. So one is like having a, an egg in water and the other one like an egg in a bottle of Coke. And just mm-hmm. to show you, it could be Coke, it could be like Gatorade, for example, anything that has sugar and it can create acid and how you take the egg out and you can see the shell is just, hey, it's not as strong. Mm-hmm. And just to make them understand, and I think that's the best way to learn it. Things like, you know, a combination of maybe auditory, visual, um, conceptual, things like that. And if you can get that into a kid's hands, because mm-hmm. they're curious, right? They're curious beings that we talked about last time. They want to know, their, their curiosity drives. So they want to touch, feel. Yeah. And if you can touch a smooth egg, go ahead, yeah. No, I was going to say, they want to use all their senses, so it it makes sense. Bingo, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And so they want to touch a smooth egg versus, oh, wow, this feels like really brittle, it's cracked, and and it gets them to think, oh, okay, all right, it's smooth, I want to keep it that way. And so at the end of the day, it's all about empowering them to learn and empowering them to be self-aware. And at the same time, kids don't really develop fine hand motor skills until about eight, right? So I do tell parents, hey, listen, your child wants to brush their own teeth, totally, totally cool. Just go in after them and reinforce. I like the independence that kids have. We're an independent. They're going to grow up to be independent. Um, exactly. And and that's the whole goal. I say, you know, like when you when I, when I always tell like my wife and I've talked about this. And when we have kids, they're not like our kids. They came through her, mm-hmm. but they they're not our possession. If you know what I mean. They're, they're, I know they're exactly. They're going to be a free bird one day. I've yeah, had so this conversation is, with my girlfriend. So. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so it's like, listen, like our goal is to set them up so that they can thrive and that their wings can grow a little bit quicker and not like, you know, hopefully by the age of, you know, as sooner that, they, that they're growing age appropriately rather than trying to learn everything when they're about to leave the house and go to college, for example. Yeah, 100%. So the more we can empower them, the better. You, um, yeah, you said it absolutely correctly. I was going to, and then you just said it again. The, the, the key is to empower a child to want and, and learn how to learn. Because yes. and teaching them how to think rather than just teaching. Here's this information. Know this. I mean, if you if you can get and make, for example, brushing their teeth. I mean, I remember being a kid. I can I'll speak for myself, and I and I can see it. I mean, not just kids. Even adults don't enjoy brushing their teeth. But if it's created in in a space which is enjoyable and fun, and you're still learning, 
that those kind of habits are just that much easier to create throughout life. So, so true. So true. And that's why I tell, tell parents, like, if you want to establish a good home care. So how to make brushing fun way to other things I tell my parents or kids is that, hey, make it a family activity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, everyone hates the floss. OK, <laughs> it's out there. It's the most important thing. Everyone hates it. But, hey, if you start doing it and you do it with your child, it becomes a game. Have a YouTube song to their favorite song on. Sing ABCs. Make it dance, you know? Mm-hmm. Do something when no one's watching. Go crazy. Have fun, you know? And like I said, bring out the inner child in you so that your child can enjoy being a child as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's fun. I think it, it's a great way just to engage everyone. At the end of the day, it's it's a win-win, not only just for you and your child, but you're also a win-win for your mouth and you're taking care of your body. Yeah, your well, overall so. health. I mean, it's win-win-win yeah, all, over, all over the place. All over. So, yeah. Um, Sonu07, um, I see that you got in here a little late. Um, it, you you might have missed a few things, but don't worry. This is going to be posted on Instagram. It's also going to be on YouTube. The The name of the YouTube channel is The Art of Mindful Medicine. So I appreciate you um, commenting and, and making sure uh, you find out how to, how to watch the rest of it once we're done. But thank you very much for, for coming in here. And um, Dr. Sharp, one, one of the things that you were alluding to was teaching parents. So my next question was, how do you go about teaching the parents about the importance of oral health? Because they're not even your patient. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, I know sometimes down here, we, we necessarily don't always have parents with the kids, but a lot yeah. of parents do like to be with the kids, which is fine with me. But how do you go about educating the parents about oral health? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, there, there's two schools of thought on this. And, and in terms of just an appointment, a lot of parents, a lot of providers may not have a child in the back for treatment. And many providers also like to have a parent back. I'm in the school where I love having a parent back because mm-hmm. whatever I can see, I can show them. Exactly. Also, from a behavior standpoint, as parents, you're, every parent's like, my child's the bomb. They're the best kid ever. And then they see them in action, like, oh, yeah, like he actually isn't as cooperative as I thought he was. Mm-hmm. So it also puts like expectations into reality. Mm-hmm. There's no good kid, bad kid. I always tell them that. I was like, your child just, they're, they're a kid. Today's not their day. Yeah. Maybe last time wasn't their day, but they'll come around. And so we may have to find another medium to go about taking care of what we need to take care of. Um, but the biggest thing I do is I like to show them as well. So if I see a cavity, I like to show them the intraorally so they can see. And I love showing x-rays because it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like, this is what I'm looking for. You see that spot? If you go, ah, they can't see interproximal lesions. Nobody can unless you have an x-ray. Yeah. So if I can show them the x-ray and say, hey, you see that little circle there in between? You see how it looks like Pac-Man's kind of eating at your child's tooth? <laughs> I see the That's thing. the cavity there, <laughs> right? And, and, it, and it's putting things into, I like to do one of two things. I like to speak in the medical jargon. I never want to insult anyone's intelligence, mm-hmm. but I also want to, I also repeat with some basic analogies and some kind of, um, you know, some like some catchy phrases or like Pac-Man just, yeah, that, just to I make them think like, totally agree. You know, so I, I, like, I thought I was oh, the only one that Pac-Man. used that Pac-Man analogy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's great. And, no, it's fantastic that you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about, like I said, if you, it, it's, they're going to walk out there sometimes that are overwhelmed, but I want them to have some small tad bits like Pac-Man, like, Oh, that, that's something like, Oh, look, I'm not going to forget something about Pac-Man and then it'll come back. So mm-hmm. my goal is just to, like, like I said, talk about the medical aspect, break it down to layman's terms and then kind of show them. And then we'll talk about diet. If their child's afraid or if they need an appointment, sometimes I'll have my assistant take the child out, look for a prize in the prize box. And then I get one-on-one time with the parent. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, listen, I know you want your child to sit in the chair and use laughing gas. Realistically, it's just not going to happen. Their anxiety is through the roof. Mm -hmm. So now these are some of the other ways that we can go about it. And um, 
And yeah, we just have a real heart to heart talk. I go over the routine. Hey, what's going on in terms of diet? What are you guys eating, drinking? Someone mentioned breastfeeding in your in your questions. I'll get to that, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the session as well. But I go over everything depending on the child's age group. I try to break down, hey, what are they having for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacking, and then small modifications. I'm not trying to revamp an entire diet and go 180. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take something small and, hey, let's change it. Oh, your child has juice at 2 o'clock for, for snack? Let's bring the juice at 12 o'clock with lunch and let's try that mm-hmm. and in small changes where like i said you can make some carriage helpful carriagenic impact to make that make sure their diet is less carriagenic at certain mm-hmm. times and so that's that's all i'm doing um and i talk about water and things of that nature so it just kind of said depends on the child depends on their age and depends on kind of what we're looking at but mm-hmm. i will say it, it's same thing with adults i tell the parents like hey like this is it like hell you know, little johnny johnny loves reese's well guess what like I know like he can't go to the grocery store and I know this, like he's not, he's four years old. He's not buying Reese's for himself and paying for them by himself. Exactly. So we have to talk and like, you know, you know what, let's have, you guys should go home and have a family discussion on healthy habits that everyone can do. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you're an adult, you're absolutely kind of Reese's. Maybe let's have it when maybe Johnny takes his nap or mm-hmm. where that way you guys can indulge in certain things. And so I try to make it a health conscious decision and I try to tell them, Hey, listen, like in the best interest of your child, what are steps that we can do? to, you know, mitigate those risk factors for them. Yeah. And and even neurologically, I mean, I guess, I mean, I I would understand that most people aren't aware that when, when we feed our kids at such young age, they're, they're still developing, their brains are still developing those connections, the neurons in their brain and and their their taste and what they get used to is you're setting them up for what they're going to eat the rest of their life. So it's extremely, extremely important to, to understand the, how, impactful these things are it's not just to get them something so they stop whining about it and it's to to really be the adult be the parent and and it's okay to say no yeah they might throw a fit for a little bit but you know that that's the best thing for them so i totally agree with you and i think it's thank you for doing that because it's extremely important to educate the parents because like you said they're the ones that are buying the things for the kids to eat or not eat so yeah, I say it comes down to the B word, boundaries. Yeah. And you have to establish boundaries at home, especially if you're in a, a larger family um, with grandparents around. It's very important, especially summertime. And, it's, you know, it's grandparents have the kids and they want to spoil them. There should be no good cop, bad cop. It should be, hey, we all have boundaries and everyone should co- confine within the boundaries. So if a child is balancing between grandparents, the aunts and uncles or to your house, everyone has the same set of rules or boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. So the child is aware and there's no, you know, yeah, there's, there's no lack of communication. Yeah, they, that can be very difficult if if the, the the kids are going to different households and things like that, and the they're given different, totally different foods. I mean, look honestly, if they like, if if one of them gives the a kid an apple and the other one gives them like you use an example of Reese's, I'm pretty sure most kids are going to want the Reese's over the apple. I mean, it just, I mean, I get it, um, but yeah. it, like you said, create those boundaries, and it just. Be the adult and, and, and do what you have to do that you know what's best for your kid. And you, Absolutely. <laughs> actually. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So my next question is um, a little, a little uh, specific to, to how you practice as well. Um, how do you go about creating a safe space for kids at the dentist? Because I know for a fact as adults that there is a great deal of dental anxiety that I think is extremely underestimated. If you, if we were to look at numbers, I mean, the over, in my opinion, the overwhelming amount of people do have a, uh, at least a mild level of, of dental anxiety. And I think all of, every time I've had a conversation with a patient about it, it all stems back to their childhood. 
or some serious traumatic event or something like that. But as a pediatric dentist, I mean, what are some of the techniques and the ideas or tricks or things that you do to create a safe space where kids feel comfortable and are open and to communicate and, and feel safe with you and, and to be able to learn from you? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. It's really good question my whole thing and like i said we've it's gonna it's like, it's like we're, we're being the dead horse here it's, like, mm-hmm. it's about empowering these kids to hey like hey I, I i'm in charge of myself um i don't like to use like a voice i will never like berate a kid or tell them they're bad or like hey like knock it off like no i want to empower them so they're motivated the biggest change i feel that when you when you empower somebody if you use this in your own life if you compliment somebody and say hey like you're, you're doing a great job it's going to motivate them to like hey help out a little bit more mm-hmm. if you shut them down and really berate them and tell them hey like knock it off. Like you're not doing a great job at this. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking, Hey, like you don't want to put a child into a role is what mm-hmm. I like to say. You want them to flourish and help you out. So I like, I'll start off with the basic visit, for example, because this, this is a great question. It has so many answers mm-hmm. depending on the, on the age group. Yeah, yeah. But at the first, at the first visit, there's a lot of parents who are like, Oh, I don't want to see my kid cry. And I'll say, listen, I just, I would, I prefer to do a knee to knee exam. Yeah, your, your child is one, they're going to cry, you know, I'm in an unfamiliar face, they're going to be in an unfamiliar position, mm-hmm. being laid back, they're going to not have, you know, control their body, they're going to cry, but this is why it's important. And this is, you know, and the only other advantage from this is, I'm going to show you a way to brush their child's teeth at home, if they're not going to sit up with you. And that way you can do a knee to knee at home with the other parent, or kind of how to wrap them up gently in your arms. So you have like, protective self stabilization mm-hmm. for the child. Um, and usually, if I talk to them about that, they kind of open up and say, okay, like, you know, can you just make it quick? And I was like, yeah, we're going to be quick. Like, I don't need to, you know, it's not going to take long, but I want to get a good idea because the more I know, the more I can share with you. Mm-hmm. As a child gets older, I like to take x rays when they're ready. So some kids might be ready at four, some kids might be ready at seven. Totally fine. When they're ready, I, like I said, the less it feels like they're forced to do something and it comes from within and they feel empowered, like, wow, I just did this. Like, great job. They're going to give 110% more because now they're like, huh. I wonder what else I can do. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of tell, show, do. I will always have my child hold the mirror, feel things out. I use something called an isodry. Um, we call it our jellyfish. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't use a rubber dam. That's a great, yeah. Yeah, I love them. I don't, I don't even bother trying to explain it to people. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love it. It's super soft. And, and I, I, I really want the child to feel everything. Sometimes I'll even have them feel like the Explorer or like the drill that I'm going to use. And I'll put on their fingernail. I'm like, hey, look, it's on my fingernail. It's on your fingernail. Mm-hmm. Um, if I turn it on, I'll use a slow speed and I'll actually like use a slow speed on their finger. Mm-hmm. So they kind of feel how it feels bumpy. And so that way they're like, okay, like the more they know, once again, they're smart. You know, we think kids are like, you know, they, they're, oh, they're going to forget this. And they're very, very smart. And mm-hmm. they're using all of these experiences to build up upon one another and to make an informed decision for themselves. And that decision is, hey, am I going to cooperate or nah, this isn't for me. And so my goal is to help them cooperate and give them those right you know, I want all the traffic lights to be green, so they're ready to let's go, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that and that's kind of how I'm I'm trying to um, c- connect with them. Uh, great question: How to convince a child for local? Uh, it, it biggest thing for me here is it's a great question. I sometimes it depends on a child. Sometimes less is more. I like to wiggle their cheek and stimulate them. The one trick, and I think maybe what this person's getting to is, I'll sometimes if there's a child who's super anxious about the nerves, and they know, and they know it's like. It's coming. They keep looking over. Mm-hmm. I keep the needle capped cause, and, and it's nice and it's not sharp. And I show and I and I kind of go into the mouth and kind of freak out. I was like, hey, no, look, look, I'm pushing on this. Can I see your hand? And I push on it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, That's a good idea. Huh, okay, yeah. And then when I'm ready, 
I'll do it like three or four times. And I take mm-hmm. my time because local, once you get a child numb, the rest is easy. They're yeah, not going to feel a thing. Exactly. So I always say, take your time with this part if you're having a hard time. Get that confidence, build a rapport, try and pretend like you're giving them a local with the cap still on and push and kind of uh, apply a little pressure. So they're like, oh, that kind of feels a little weird. Mm-hmm. Then I take out, I kind of give my assistant the eye. She just quickly comes in, removes the cap, and I go right in. And I just wiggle and I go soft. And I like to distract. So I feel like the more you talk to a kid and you kind of distract their mindset and they're thinking about other things, yeah, sure, there's a little bit of pain fibers, but you're stimulating the pain fibers and the mm-hmm. alpha and delta way of the delta fibers, which are mirror. And so you're getting their mind off of that. But now you talk to them and now they're thinking about, you know, something else. So <laughs> like I always dinosaurs say dinosaurs or some other stuff. <laughs> dinosaurs. Yeah. And I always say, don't ask kids questions because when they're in the mouth, they're going to want to respond. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, create a fantasy land for them. So tell them, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, like here comes Frozen and you feel your tooth that's getting icy and I see the princesses, they're sparkling. Oh, they're the building of an ice skating rink around your tooth. <laughs> and I go over information overload. <laughs> I try to act like a New Yorker and speak really fast when I'm talking to them <laughs> because they're trying to process everything. Yeah. And then at the end, when I'm done, I'm like, that was awesome. You did great. And I take it down a notch, but it works for the time, the time being. So yeah, no, that's everyone's going to have their own tricks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so some, some of the things you were saying that sparked my sparked a, a couple other questions. Uh, so for, for people that obviously aren't in your area and they, they're taking their kids to a pediatric dentist, what are some of the things that you would recommend that they look for in a pediatric office? That is a really good question. So that's a really good question. Um, I would say the biggest thing is just because it's like it's like you're interviewing the doctor for for the for the kids basically because I mean you're not going to necessarily be there or see everything that's going on and you and I both know you even if it's the adult in the chair if you if you're not in pain you don't know what was done done in the mouth especially when you're not so I mean that that and I I see it all the time so. (laughs) So true, man. I would say the one biggest thing is like see if the doctor allows you to come back. You know, That's and, true. and you know, build a rapport. I think I think it's really important, especially for kids. Their first time, there's some separation anxiety. Um, understanding, hey, like, what's their philosophy? Uh, what's their practice model? Um, in the event your child, let's say, like, doesn't you know cooperate, um, what are the next steps? Like, what are they going to do? Do mm-hmm. they do strap down dentistry? Uh, mm-hmm. I am personally not a big fan of that. Uh, I think there's just we're we're in, we're in the 21st century where <laughs> there's so many other treatment modalities that can be used in yeah. a very safe and efficacious manner yeah. than holding the child down, strapping them. Um, and now they kind of lose reflexes of their airway. Um, like I said, I'm big, I'm a, I'm a huge airway guy. And so I've heard and seen and uh, talked to a lot of EMS folks who've had some, you know, seen some negative things happen because of a child not being able to have control of yeah. his, his or herself. It's traumatic. I mean. And it's traumatic, right? And that was my, that's what I was alluding to is like, the big thing here is trauma. You want to create an environment and see if the, how they're going to, I always say bedside manner should come naturally, but see how they talk to your child. See if they're able to connect not only with them, but make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. too. Um, but the biggest thing here is let's say if, if I always say the way the doctor connects with your child should be the most important though, because mm-hmm. if your child can trust them and your child just has that vibe, you, the doctor and the child had that vibe with each other, then you know that, Hey, like th- that's the relationship that's, you know, that matters the most because they're the ones that are getting taken care of. Yeah. Not to say that what you, what you feel isn't important, but I think the most important relationship is that doctor-patient relationship in, in that instance. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what I look at is that their, their philosophy, what they're doing, what, what kind of it, – it's just it, it's the ambiance that's created there to make yeah. your child feel comfortable. At the end, it comes down to comfort. Yeah, so. I think it's just really paying attention to the surroundings because, look, I, I, you're not going to be able to 
to tell, and these are just our opinions, obviously, you're not going to be able to tell who somebody is just by meeting them. I mean, obviously, we know that just by meeting somebody for five minutes, you're not going to be able to say, oh, this is a fantastic person that's going to be treating my son or daughter. But uh, there's just a few little key things to look for. I mean, um, just the, the office, the staff, the people that the, the doctors hire, I mean, it, it, in my opinion, it says a lot about how they want to create their practice. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different 100%. aspects to go. I mean, like when, when you when you are talking about a dental office, I mean, you, it's its own little world and you, yeah. you're creating that space like you, you're the superhero dentist. I mean, you, you create a, like that kind of superhero feel. So kids are excited to go there. I mean, they might not be overly excited, but I mean, at least they're like, oh, I'll get to go and get this or see that or do that or or whatever. I mean, and it just creates a more fun and inclusive environment for them. It's not not like the parents are having to drag the kid to the dentist and they're kicking and screaming the whole time there because that's just setting them up for complete failure. So. No, it's like I said, it's so true. And it just got me to think like what you just said, like also got me to think like, make your office fun and unique the way you want it to. Yeah. So for example, I, I like to pose like, you know, like, like take pictures with my, with the kids and superhero outfits and things of that nature. You could simply have like a no cavities club, mm-hmm. have a Polaroid. It's probably one of the best investment investments. Take a picture, either give that picture to their child after their first appointment. Mm-hmm. And so that way they can go home and frame it. It's a big deal. You know, like a lot of parents like really appreciate and take into consider how big the magnitude of a child's first dental appointment is. Mm-hmm. So they can have a little keepsake. Or you can have a little wall that says, hey, like these are like, you know, July's like no cavity club or, you know, however you want to just be unique and different. But it gives someone, you know, it gives the incentive for kids to like, brush well, keep up with their hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, if a child has a cavity, no big deal. You take care of the cavity. Now you tell them, hey, in six months when you come back for your cleaning, we got to make sure you don't have cavities. And guess what? You're going to get a prize and I'm going to get a picture and you're going to go up on that wall too. Mm-hmm. And so it gives them incentive. And that's what drives people, right? Some people are driven as adults. Some people are driven by money. Some people are driven by vacation. Kids are also driven by factors. And there's, mm-hmm. I, and I feel the way kids are, are very, they're very genuine by what they're driven by. It, and and, I, and that's what I really like. What I really love about them is that they just want to get better and they want to see results in themselves. And so mm-hmm. they'll work with you yeah. if you let them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and some of the, something else you said, it was, you, t- you mentioned x-rays for kids. So when somebody goes to an office uh, and again, everybody's got their own philosophies about some of these things, but w- what kind of x-rays do you take and around what age do you generally recommend having the x-rays taken? Great question. The first one that they can tolerate, I like to get upper and lower mm-hmm. on occlusals or PAs. And then it, whenever they're able to tolerate bite wings. I mm-hmm. like to take those because, like I said, the one thing we can't see are cavities that are in between the teeth. And so I explain that to parents. Um, I like to get those, like I say, by the age of anywhere from four to six. Mm-hmm. Is, I think a good range where you can get those. Um, then I'll take something called the panoram, which goes around your head, as mm-hmm. you're familiar with. I like to get those around the age of seven or eight. And I like to wait till the front two teeth are in. Mm-hmm. The reason being, I see some people take them at the age of five. And they're like, oh, well, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like there's a lot more hodgepodge. It's hard for you to get a good visual of, hey, is there an extra tooth? How's the growth and development looking? Yeah. It's really hard for you to assess certain things when you have like a bunch of teeth in such a small mouth. Yeah. So by the time they're seven, eight, those two front teeth come in, now that's two less teeth that you have to, don't have to worry about looking yeah. for in the x-ray because you can visually see them. And the mouth has gotten a little bit bigger and you get a better representation in terms of things like that. Okay. And then after that, I take them based on the caries risk. So this is also where I depend on, I, I, I'm the community where a lot of parents are against x-rays. And I understand that, but I, I always tell them, hey, I need to get an established a baseline. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's my practice philosophy. And if that doesn't work for you, I understand. But then you may be better off in a, a, a care of another provider. I just feel that's my ethic and that's my due diligence is that, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to treat you. And I, as, as much as I understand and respect your wishes, I need to make sure your child's okay. And mm-hmm. if they're heavy, you know, you're telling me, hey, they're, they're drinking a lot of juice and this. Like, I, we need to establish a baseline. Yeah. After that, I'll take them every year or two years, you know, anywhere from 12, 12 months to 24 months, depending on their age and depending on their risk. And so that's where it gets a little bit tricky, mm-hmm. but you use your best judgment. And I, like I said, there's a principle called Alara. So almost like, you know, you just take the x-rays, bottom line, whenever you need to and mm-hmm. to minimize radiation. And that's the philosophy I use. Great, great, great. Um, and re- regarding schools, and I mean, obviously not right now with, with everything going on, but uh, do you feel that school should be teaching the importance of oral health? Oh, yes. Big time. Big time. Um, I think they should be doing, you know, I, I think it'd be great if every child brushes their teeth after after meals, you know, at, at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think kind of it's it's very, very important. Like I said, for many reasons, the enamel just being thin, just to get into a good, you know, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. So, pr- perfect practice makes perfect. So, but getting into that that good routine, right? Everything in life is about routine. So, if you can get that with the child, less battles at home and they understand the importance of it. Um, I also take your question a step further. I also think dental schools should stop reaching out to Colgate and Crest constantly. Mm-hmm. Start reaching out to some other people who have some great products out there like Risewell, Co- mm-hmm. Coral, some of these really good brands mm-hmm. that are a little bit more all natural mm-hmm. um, and, and it will give you a different perspective on things, you know? And unfortunately we just live in a world where wherever the money is, that's where people follow. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do think dental school should also kind of revamp and look into Hey, let's give students a little bit of a broader perspective. Sure, mm-hmm. bring Colgate, bring Crest. That's fine. You know, you ha- you need to have that perspective as well. But bring. Let's not make us a, a a monopoly type of you know education where it's only these two providers or these two players in the game, and everyone else you know for for whatever reason doesn't get you know a chance to get you know give give their say or to educate kids and or students I should say. Um, so I think that's one thing I would love to see dental schools change. Awesome, awesome. And then there, there was another question. What's the chance of getting the child's eruption of teeth affected by x-ray radiation um i'll let you start and then i, I can chime in too if I... yeah i mean I, I i think it depends on this is i, I can't say I, I think at the end of the day you have to look at their medical history mm-hmm. so if there is someone who's gone through chemo radiation yeah then in, in cases like that you want to be a little bit more mindful um not and it's not i'm not even in terms of teeth being affected i'm not sure i'm just looking more at systemic and overall health mm-hmm. um today's day and age is you know using this a speed f film very quick. I, I think we're probably getting more radiation right now talking, you know, <laughs> exactly. with, our, with our cell phones than we are getting a dental x-ray. And it, even if you're using a microwave, for example. So the radiation here is, is very little. Um, if you're using those type of speed films, I think, you know, using one or two x-rays as needed, I'm going to say, in my opinion, probably very little effect. And if you're constantly taking them and you're getting longer exposure, yeah, I think that could have a potential effect. Um, I haven't studied the relationship in terms of, hey, like radiation and how it affects tooth per se, but I do know in terms of radiation, how it affects, you know, free radicals in the body. And I don't, I can't mm-hmm. imagine our teeth being any different. Yeah. I'm sure that there are some studies done on tooth development and, and the amount of radiation, but as, as you were saying, I, yeah. and I completely agree. I mean, we have uh, like Schick sensors and things like that at the office, um, which are digital radiology. And, and to be perfectly honest, I think digital radiology overall, but specifically in dentistry was one of the most important factors in, in dentistry because of course, we need x-rays in order to be able to see, but and just like you were saying, there's such little radiation in, in these x-rays that, they're, like you said, we're virtually getting more by being, if you fold, hold your phone next to your head and you have 
a 20, 30 minute conversation, you're probably getting more radiation exposed to you uh, from the phone than you are via an x-ray. And as you also said, I mean, we don't take, we only, I personally only take x-rays when I need to. So when I'm first seeing someone to, to establish, like you said, a baseline, if somebody has a specific problem, and then pretty much annually, but it, it's not a full set of like 18 x-rays. I mean, generally it's, right. for adults, it's once a year and it's four x-rays. I mean, it's virtually no radiation. But now, now again, yeah. with kids, I have not looked up any specific research on the development of their permanent teeth and, and, and what the dental x-rays and things like that do. But like you said, waiting to maybe around six or, or seven when those, the first front two teeth come in, you don't have as many of those um, uh, primary teeth or baby teeth in the mouth still. And, and the, you're for a little bit further along with the deve- developmental process. And I would imagine just like the basic baseline x-rays have probably very little to no effect. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree and say I, I really don't think they play a much a major role in them. Um, but that's like I said, that's my opinion. That's my thought. And I think, like I said, we're in a world like I, when parents ask me that question, I'll get that a lot. Like, oh, I, I don't want the radiation. And mm-hmm. I try to explain to them and as nice and as professional as I can. But hey, like radiation is just a part of us, you know. You're gonna you're in a home. You know, you have, we have phones. Like you know, and we're in a world where we can't live without phones. You're just getting more radiation through you know through phone, through sunlight. There's some radiation through there. Like there are things that you just can't avoid in today's day and age. And so, um, while I do appreciate your concern, you know, I just don't want this to affect your child's overall health or for us to miss anything. Yeah. Um, and 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 they get it. Like I said, I think they understand. At the end of the day, it's a if 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 someone doesn't understand something and you help them reason through it mm-hmm. instead of just berate them. Exactly. Helping them understand. Hey, and like it goes. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Hey, thanks for taking time out to explain that to me. Oh, those little analogies or putting things, comparing things. I mean, it, like I said, some I, there are days where I'm not thinking clearly, and my wife has explained something to me a couple times. I'm like, ah, oh, the light bulb goes. Yeah, off. yeah, exactly. And, and it, it's and it, we should treat our we should treat our patients like no different, right? Yeah. Um, hundred percent. And, and that's that's part of the interview process, really. Like, whether you're taking your kid to the dentist or you're going to the dentist, you can ask these questions. If so, if if somebody gets upset that you're asking them these questions, that's a little bit of a red flag, right there. Yeah. And not, not this, not again, not to judge people, but I mean, anybody can have a bad day, but I mean, you want to ask these kind of questions and see the, how they respond to you. And instead of scolding somebody, it's like, like we just did, like uh, it's a one minute explanation. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really, it's really not worth, um, creating a big deal about it. Um, so we have about 15 minutes to go and I really want to talk about a few other things. Um, one of the things are reading the ingredients on dental products and toothpaste. So what are some of the toothpaste that you recommend for adults and or kids? And then about some of the briefly, just some of the ingredients, because that I think is extremely important and relative to everybody. Yeah, that's a a great topic. I'm actually going to be posting on this, uh, in the next day or two as well. Um, my revamp list, but my like go-to for kids in no particular order. Uh, you have like Jack and Jill. My mm-hmm. boys use that right now. There's some called Risewell, which we're both familiar with mm-hmm. and talked about. Um, you have Baby Gannix, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Brown's, uh, and pretty much anything that's like, all, you know, Hello is another one. Mm-hmm. Healthy Living is another one. And then anything else that's like all natural. Uh, my wife and I use Coral. The boys can use it too. Um, but anything that's all natural as well, no problem at all. Uh, but some of these, like I said, uh, I feel like the, the flavors may just not be kid friendly. Some of the adult ones like coral, my wife and I love, uh, but it might just be too strong for the boys. But like Risewell has that cotton candy, which is mm-hmm. oh, kids love fantastic that. Fantastic for uh, the kids. Fantastic. Right. Jack and Jill has like a blueberry raspberry. And, and, and these are like kid friendly flavors that they love. And so that's why 
anything all natural a child can take, but these few that I just rattled off just do a really good job in terms of, hey, like your, your child being able to brush and enjoying the process of the brushing because of mm-hmm. flavor enhancement. Yeah. Um, for adults, you have Risewell again. Um, Coral is another one. If you're big on xylitol, there's one called Spry Xylitol, um, oh, yeah. which is good. There's one that's like Redmond's Earth Paste, yep. uh, Redmond's which Real is out there. Say, yeah. Red and tip, um, they're out in Cali. Um, yeah, I mean, you can use any, there's one's called Jason, Dr. Bronner's. There, there are a few out there um, that are all natural and that are okay. Now, the biggest thing here is that there are only, so here, here it's, a, it's a controversial topic that's kind of been storming. It's fluoride or no fluoride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're probably going to get into that next. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just going to get into no, it No, right no, now. start right now. That's all good. Um, so there's, there's, there's a big debate, like half a lot of dentists, a lot of dentists I know, I'd say more than, more than 75% dentists I know are like gung-ho fluoride. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I'm like, Hey, you just got to challenge the system a little bit, read up a little bit more on it. I am not anti-fluoride, mm-hmm. but I am anti-systemic fluoride. So I'm against fluoride in water. Um, I'm against having kids who can't, you know, spit, take fluoride and people are like, well, like, why not? Like, you know, fluoride helps protect the teeth. Yeah, it helps protect the teeth. So I'm big on topical, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure they're not ingesting anything. Mm-hmm. Now, well, how are they going to get fluoride if they're not getting it from a toothpaste? Fluoride is a naturally naturally occurring element, which doesn't mean it's good. It just means that we're getting it through, like, if you're, you know, if you're someone who drinks wine or your, your vegetables, your teas, you're going to have fluoride and you're taking it, mm-hmm. trace amounts of it in your system. And the only place in your body that really benefits are these are these guys right here? Yeah. Are the teeth? And so there are studies out there, especially a big study by the CDC, which clearly states that topical fluoride, without a doubt, is the best way of applying fluoride mm-hmm. to the teeth. Um, and there's so many other studies out there that talk about that. So for that reason, I love fluoride. I just want it to be used on a child who knows how to spit, so they're not ingesting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want it to be also all natural. Mm-hmm. That leads me to there's only two toothpaste that I currently recommend that have fluoride, but also have all natural ingredients. And those are, um, first one is TheraBreath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one is called Twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- those, are the only, those are the two that right now that have fluoride component in them and are all natural. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife and I use something called Coral. It does not have fluoride. I still love it. I love all the all natural ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a good job as well. But if you're looking for something that has fluoride, your child your teeth are a little bit, you know, they're hypoplastic or your child has hypoplastic teeth mm-hmm. and you want to build up, you know, in that situation, you want to build up the strength of the enamel. Mm-hmm. Then those two are your go-to. Yeah. What they don't have and people are kind of like, you know, Col- Colgate Crest, uh-uh. I've been a victim. I'll raise, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I grew up with that stuff, you know? And then you learn and you realize these, these things like Colgate, Crest, Sensodyne, Arm & Hammer, they have a bunch of all, um, the, their ingredients aren't natural. And mm-hmm. so, when you read the back of the toothpaste, there's a couple of things that you're looking for. SLS, that's kind of the ingredient that causes effervescence mm-hmm. or bubbling in the toothpaste. Guess what? It's also found in your laundry detergent, your mm-hmm. soap detergent, soaps that you use. Mm-hmm. So do you eat your soap? I tell people like, no, it causes bubbling. It gives you that false sense of illusion mm-hmm. that your teeth are getting clean mm-hmm. because they're bubbling. Guess what it does though? It causes canker sores and it's associated a lot with canker sores in the mouth. And yeah. so a lot of the kids I have who are teenagers or even, you know, eight, nine, teen, uh, you know, college years, they've had canker sores. We eliminate the toothpaste, like coral, I mean, like Crest or Colgate. Guess what? 
canker sores gone within two weeks. I mm -hmm. guarantee you. So if you're someone that's ha suffering from constant canker sores, check your toothpaste and get rid of the SLS. Mm -hmm. Um, Triclosans are another thing that's yeah. in there. Um, it's what, they're like an antimicrobial or antibacterial property, uh, but they're actually been banned from over-the-counter soaps and over-the-counter antiseptics now as well. Um, so they cause to erupt brain function, hormone imbalance. Um, mm -hmm. They can have asthma sensitivity and things like that. Carrageenan is another ingredient um, that I'm not a big fan of as well. It's almost like an emulsifier or thickener. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of like said a toothpaste should not be a paste. That's the other mm -hmm. thing I want to make very clear. Yeah. Toothpaste should be a gel, mm -hmm. you know? So these things that thicken the toothpaste, you know, make it seem, oh, like, they got this huge curve. Like, no, you want your toothpaste to be as jelly as possible so it can get in between your teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, and it tells you that, hey, there's less, you know, there's more natural ingredients in there. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for a tooth gel, even though it's called a toothpaste. Mm -hmm. um, parabens are another, yeah. are another great topic there. Um, they are pretty much a wide class of, like, they, they are artificial preservatives uh, in 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 your toothpaste. Mm -hmm. And so they can affect fertility. They can affect, um, organs, birth defects, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and so th that's kind of the big, you know, th those are kind of the big things there. Uh, propylene glycol. I used to love act. I actually used to promote act. Um, but act actually has propylene glycol, which is like a derivative of antifreeze. And no, and I always say it's not antifreeze. You're not, you know, gargling <laughs> antifreeze. It's obviously refined and broken down, but yeah. still it's not natural. Yeah. Um, and so these are things and they're great. And in today's day and age with some of those toothpaste that we just mentioned, they have some great, great mouthwashes as oh, well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I love it. My boys and I, we started using TheraBreath. They have a Gorilla Grape flavor, <laughs> and it's awesome. It is amazing. Um, it's just, it's, it's really good. Our, our oldest, who's three, loves it. Um, he's able to swish with it and spits it right out. Um, but there's great other alternatives out there that are, like I said, at the end of the day, all natural. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to just optimizing your health, right? If you can, um, if you can put something in your mouth that's better, why not? Uh, yeah, and, exactly. and is, there are better options Then why would you avoid them? Why would you avoid them? This is the one analogy, especially if anyone who here is like, you know, familiar with like on the medical aspect of it. If someone has a heart attack, um, you know, sure you can give baby aspirin, but if you're really, if they have a severe heart attack, you're giving them something sublingual. You're giving them nitroglycerin. Mm -hmm. I tell people, think about why are you giving something that affects the heart through the mouth? Mm hmm because it gets absorbed into your body like extremely that. Extremely quickly, yeah. Extremely fast. So what does that tell you about your mouth and your tongue and your mucosa? It's a highly permeable membrane. Exactly. So which is why ingredients are so important with what you put in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of people out there, you know, who just don't believe in things. And that's fine. Like, I'm not here to try to sway anyone, but I'm just trying to just share some logic. When you have a heart attack, you're putting something in your mouth because your blood, things get absorbed that quickly into your bloodstream. Yeah. So, hey... Maybe like my toothpaste ingredients should matter a little bit because I don't want that effect, that effect on my cells or, or free radicals and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's all about at the end of the day optimizing your lifestyle and you can optimize your oral health. Um, exactly, which is a big component I, of your health. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I mean, and, and for for people that, like you said, we're not we're not here to try and convince anybody of anything. It's just these are things that we found that we've researched and that we observe clinically with people over years of practicing and, and also talk to other people about what they experienced in years of practicing. And fluoride is a neurotoxin. I mean, it, it's yes. it's a known neurotoxin. And like you were saying, the, the permeability in our mouth is exceptionally fast. And even if you, even if your kids are not swallowing or, or node to spit, there's still some level of absorption. So that's why, I, I mean, I agree with you. Flor fluoride has its very specific sure. uses. I mean, if somebody has a problem with their enamel or is extremely prone to cavities and things like that, it does create 
a resistance in the teeth to an acidic environment. But long-term use of it, it, through studies that research that I've read, does lead to the teeth becoming more brittle. So there yes. are more um, natural products. For example, like the one that I love, that, that I use myself, my whole family uses, and I promote it at Which the office, one? is Risewell. Yeah, Risewell, and, yeah, great. And there, great I, I know there's other brands, too, but they, it's, it's an all-natural product, um, vegan, gluten-free, all this, all this kind of fun stuff. And the, the main ingredient, which I know there's an, one or two other brands that uses the main, ingre- main ingredient, hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally yes. found compound in our body. It's what makes our teeth and bones naturally hard. So yes. that is the, the main remineralizing, remineralizing agent. And it's been used in Japan for over 40 years as the gold standard. So, I mean, it's been there. It's not something new. And we just have to utilize it. Yes. Oh, it, it, it's so true. And like I always tell people at the end of the day, like, Fluoride is not your savior. Your diet is going to impact what you do. So you 100%. could brush, for example, fluoride day in and day out. But if you're eating not healthy and you're eating crappy stuff and very a sugary or very cariogenic diet, your fluoride goes, you can throw it right out the window. It's mm-hmm. not going to protect you. If you're brushing, let's say, two minutes you know, a day, for, uh, two minutes each time, four minutes a day plus flossing. That's mm-hmm. five minutes out of your entire day. That's less than what well, comes out to 0.03% of your day that you're spending on home care. Yeah. It's not going to, in the whole scheme of things, it's not going to make a big difference. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Another thing that, I mean, we just, we literally just have a couple minutes. So I, I just wanted to, and I know that obviously with kids and stuff, you, you, it's something that you don't use. I can or, stick or, around or, a little bit if you want to. Um, like so, a new session so, if you need so to. So maybe what we do, because I know there were some questions um, that people are asking, and I'm not going to be able to keep the questions on here. So what I'll do is we're going to finish this episode. And then I'll just start another live a minute or so after, cool. and we can jump back in together. Um, and, and I appreciate that. That's really awesome of you. Just just to answer a few questions for people, just for sure. maybe like 10 minutes or so. So Not a problem. everybody, if you have questions, please, after as soon as I end this, um, and just give me a couple minutes and I'll restart another one and just jump in and, and we'll ju- it'll just be like a quick Q&A. Um, but elemental uh, mercury is something that, that is found in, in dental amalgams. And I think that predominantly for adults, this is really relevant. Um, but elemental mercury is, more, is extremely dangerous, actually. And, it, and it's something that's used in thermometers. And, and now it, and yeah. it's actually <laughs> in fillings and things in our mouth um, um, and the mercury in fish. There's methylmercury. These are just the different types of mercury. Um, yes. And this is also mercury is linked. And there are many, many studies for years showing that it, it is actually a cause of neurodegeneration. So they, they, they and you can look all these things up. There's a, there's an organization called the IAOMT dot org and they have a, tons of research for free that you can just go they have videos you can just watch the video you don't even have to read the articles um to just go look on there please just educate yourselves um this is extremely extremely important how mercury can um occupy binding sites on our cells for for other um natural molecules that we need for for our neurons to be healthy for example um and it, the other thing that a lot of people don't make this connection between um mercury fillings or, or amalgam fillings is that it's extremely difficult to diagnose because we're all different and how these how the mercury is going to interact with our cells is so different from person to person to person that it's like i said it's extremely difficult to diagnose but when when you see these different types of changes in people whether it's an autoimmune disorder or or some kind of um 
skin rash or, or some kind of canker sores in the mouth. I mean, they're from, and then obviously Alzheimer's and, and there's different types of dementias and things like that, that that are linked to the to these research articles about mercury. Just please go and educate yourselves about these things. Um, because unfortunately okay. in this session, we just don't have, have enough time to, to really talk about all of this. Um, and, and maybe in the future, we'll do another one where we can really dive, dive a little bit deeper into the science behind some of these things. Because yeah. um, I mean, I know it's extremely, extremely important. Um, and I, I, we do, yeah, we have uh, just over uh, a couple minutes left. So Dr. Shaw, if you could just share three things that people could start implementing in their lives right now to improve their health, just three, three things that you think are extremely important um, to improve people's overall health, what, what would you say they are for you? Yeah, floss. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You can brush floss every day. Floss. It's the yeah. most, it's probably, it's, it's the equivalent of like taking a shower without soap. Like your floss is your soap. So I definitely floss. It's the most important thing I think, or more important than brushing. Yeah. Um, second thing, be mindful of, you know, just understand the importance of like your mouth and the health and your overall health. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're eating fries, which is like I said, okay, I'm not trying to like cut you off of like your diet, things like that, mm -hmm. but be more mindful of what you take in what you take in doesn't just necessarily affect your, your, your stomach and, Oh, I'm going to gain weight. It can also affect your mouth and how your mouth feels happy and healthy too. So, um, happy, healthy belly also translates to happy, healthy smile. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the third thing, like for me, I think get, get enough rest, get, get sleep, yeah. uh, sleep, sleep is so key just from a, a, a not even just from a mouth standpoint, but just overall wellness. So I, I love, like I said, I, I love being a dentist and I love teeth, but you know, it's not my driving factor overall healthy. You have to have a overall healthy, body mm -hmm. to appreciate the mouth and so that'd be the other thing there as well Absolutely. there's a lot of them but those are yeah. the top three that come to yeah. mind perfect those beautiful and, and again everybody we are going to have a quick q a after this so just hang tight a couple minutes i will restart a new live it should pop up or just go to my profile and you can you can uh, click on it when when it does start up there um again uh, dr deep Shaw, the the superhero dentist definitely go check out his account he's got a lot of awesome information over there so he's doing some great things with with pediatric dentistry and kids um again everybody i appreciate you coming here and taking your time and watching um i know there was a question the website again was the iaomt.org um and i appreciate your comments feedback suggestions if there's people or anybody that you guys would like to see on the show i'm more than happy to reach out to them um, you can check out all the episodes on my YouTube channel, The Art of Mindful Medicine. You can check out my website, www.mindful.doctor. We're on Instagram lives on, Live on Saturdays at noon Eastern. And as always, I will end with a quote. This is from Carl Jung. And it is, the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. So everybody, that I think that's um, important for all of us to, to understand and realize and, and maybe contemplate for a couple minutes. And as always, stay awesome, stay mindful. And again, we're going to start a quick Q&A right now. So I will see you all again soon. Thank you again, right. Dr. Follow Dr. this guy. Yeah. Follow him, man. He's great. That's all. That's like I said, gets to the why. It's all about getting to the why and you do that really well. So absolutely blessed, man. Super blessed to be connected to you. Appreciate it. I say it very much so. Likewise, we'll be right back, guys. We're back. We're back. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, it's, it's so much fun doing this stuff, right? This is this is great because, like I said, you know, I, it, it, you said something, and I didn't want to go on because then you got to. We're running. Out yeah, of time, we're because it's on a time limit. <laughs> on a time limit, it, it's hard. But you said something which is funny because it's something that my wife and I've been talking about. Is that it's funny that, we're, like I said, we're trying to live our best life, and we're trying to look, you know, obviously orally in terms of like drinking. You know, we've got an aqua true, and like try to drink more cleaner water. Mm -hmm. And the one thing is that these things are they're, they're non tangible. So that's the hardest thing to grasp for people is 
I don't see the change. I don't see the difference on a day-to-day basis. Instant gratification. <laughs> it's so hard, right? But I ask people this right now is if you're eating clean, people know that, hey, you're going to have a less chance of a heart attack or, you know, you're going to be healthier, you're going to live longer. So I tell people that if you make right choices and you're, you're eating healthy, you're taking your, your microbiome, gut, and, and, and oral, and if someone told you today, hey, you have two extra years to live or you're going to die tomorrow, what, like you're like, what? Yeah. And so, but things like it, it's such a far grasping like concept mm-hmm. that you don't realize that, hey, you could be 80 years old, but the way you lived your ice, your life will set you up to live to 95, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And there are other people who might live till 81 or 82. And so these are things that you can't conceptualize. We don't have an answer for, mm-hmm. but knowing what we know and how it affects the body you know, you're, you're just, you're putting your best foot forward and hoping for the best. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I do to, that I, I, I try, I, I really explain my thought process to, to people. And, and like you said, I mean, longevity purpose for longevity purposes. I mean, it's hard for a lot of people to, to conceptualize things this in the, with these day, this day and age, because everything's instant gratification. Like you're yeah. in Pennsylvania, I'm in South Florida. We can instantly connect like that and have this conversation and share it with the entire world. I mean, so I understand that. Yeah. But we have to also understand that even though I guess I think that the average life in it, lifespan now has gone down for the reasons we're kind of talking about this is one of the factors yeah. um, in the United States around 80 or so. And yeah, 76, I, mean, I think for, yeah, something like 76 for men and like 78 for women, yeah, something, something like that. I, mean, I, think below, this is below 80, I remember yeah. when I was in middle school, it was in like the, the low eighties or mid yeah. mid eighties. And I'm just like, how does that go down? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, regardless, so what I, what I try to get people to understand and I, and I'm, I'm and again, I'm constantly evaluating this for myself. We have a toxic load and when we're younger, Obviously, yes, our body repairs faster and, and everything works a little bit more efficiently. But if you continuously introduce toxins, no matter what le- level, how, how low grade those toxins are, it accumulates. It accumulates in your organs. Yes. It accumulates in your body in different places. Fat stores a lot of these different types of things. So, I mean, there's, and this gets into a lot of other systemic issues that, of course, you and I aren't as well studied on as some, yeah. some other... Um, like functional medicine practitioners and some other some other MDs and things like that, just because they just studied a little bit more in depth. But just for, uh, on a on a, a little like a easy conceptual level for people to understand, it's just when you reach that toxic load, when you reach that point, that's when you start feeling effects of it. And even yes. if you don't necessarily feel the effects, I mean, well, for example, to, to go back a little bit, those effects. I mean, that's why we don't know the necessarily the cause of autoimmune diseases. I personally yes. believe that. All the toxins that we're introduced to via water, food, different products, and radiation, all these different things that our, our bodies are not really evolutionarily uh, meant to, to kind of absorb and, and deal with on, in such a short t- time span. Because, again, in the overall scheme of, of the universe and the world, 80 years or 76 years is nothing. Nothing. I mean, nothing. it's, it's yeah. literally like less than that. So, yeah. I mean, for our bodies to, to adapt to these things so quickly is completely foolish for us to think that, that that's going to happen. So, again, autoimmune, disease, autoimmune diseases and a lot of these other chronic disorders, I'm, I personally believe that it comes from the amount of toxins that we're exposed to via air, yes. water, food, things like that. And like what yep. you were saying at the end, you have an aqua true, and I've heard amazing things about it. But before I had heard about that, I got something 
that's just a reverse osmosis system. It's a portable yep. system. I can hook it up to the to my sink. I can hook it up to a hose outside. I can I can I can fill up. Uh, I got a twenty gallon tank that I can just fill that's up sweet, distilled man. water, and then you just remineralize the water with, yes. in, with with whatever kind of product you want, and it's fantastic. It's it's the clean, and you can taste the difference. Without Huge. the chlorine and all the other chemicals in it, I mean, I don't know what the water's like up there. I mean, I lived in New York for a little bit, and the water I think was better That's there terrible. than it was here. But here, I mean, whether it's a Brita filter, which I've heard they don't do a whole lot, but no. between Brita filters and the filters that come in the refrigerators and all these other things, I mean, you can taste a very significant difference. And so, I mean, like I was saying, is once you reach a point, and your your body is going to say, "All right, I've had enough enough of this crap." I mean, I it's got to it's got to go somewhere. And your Someone, body's going to yeah. tell you if you're li- if you have some kind of chronic disorder with your body. Yes, yeah, sometimes there might you, you there's some sort of genetic things where you can't really handle or, or deal with that problem um, with just yourself. But for the most part, I mean, these causes are coming from somewhere, and it's generally from our environment. It is, man. It's funny. I actually if you go to my stories. I took a picture of my AquaTrue, the, uh-huh. the, the water I put in, and the water that gets filtered. You're gonna be like, holy shit! Like that's what I would drink without knowing it. Yeah. And it's cloudy versus clear. It's it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Um. And and you're right. And the other thing that you touched, man. A lot of people like genetics play a role. Mm-hmm. And sure they do. But I think what people don't realize is that oh, like, like eh, I blame it on genetics. You can change your epigene and your epigenome. Mm-hmm. And although it may not affect you, you know, at a hundred percent capacity, those traits are gonna pass down to your generation. That's gonna affect your offspring and then their yeah. offspring even more if they continue it. So, um, you can say in this game of life. It, it, it we're, we're minuscule, yeah. but the goal is to live your optimize your life, mm-hmm. and then optimize those you know if that you're fortunate to bring this into this world if you choose to do so, mm-hmm. and help to let me you know, have to help them optimize their life. But Absolutely, great points, man. Really, really like solid points awesome. you made. I appreciate it. Um, so I know there there were some questions again. Um, Requiem remembered. Um, as I, I think you, I think Patty wrote the the website for you. They have the IAOMT is a um uh, an organization it's a nonprofit organization that's been around since i, I believe it was 1984 uh, doing tons of research and and really um uh, just creating a lot of amazing awareness about biological dentistry and and just fluoride toxicity mercury toxicity and just all the different things that that go on related to dentistry um i mean they, they even have a lot of research about root canals and, and the potential dangers of, of root canals and things like that so definitely go and take some say, take some time and and um, enjoy all of that information because there's tons of scientists and doctors that do amazing amazing research around the world and it's there for you for free. I mean, just yeah, go 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 and go and read it up and watch the videos that they have. Um, some of the questions. Let's see. So what treatments are indicated for children with sensitivity issues, and what? Okay, so we'll start with that one. So, so kids with sensitivity, what what, what would you say is a, a good way to deal with that? Yeah, so the first thing is like changing your toothpaste. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd say like what we can do in the home front. So evaluate your diet, find triggers. What what's causing sensitivity? Take a look at your triggers. Is it things that are acidic? What's your child eating? Is it cold water? Um, you know, what type of toothpaste are you also using? I think if you go all natural, it'll also help the teeth and the gums. Mm-hmm. So a combination of those things is kind of getting to the root cause. Um, now, let's say your child just has a cavity or their teeth you have ameliogenesis imperfecta and it, it's just a dental condition or a ge- genetic anomaly, mm-hmm. then in those cases we might want to like I said, restore the tooth, but we have to look at ways in terms of, hey, maybe we need to put a crown you know, on that tooth and give it full coverage and mm-hmm. protect it. 
Um, so that way, you know, it optimizes their life and their child can eat and chew and, you know, carry on without being, you know, in, in pain or in discomfort. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, I think it starts at home, find the trigger points, see what's causing the sensitivity. What kind of sensitivity is it dull? You know, the more description you can put to it, is it achy? Is it dull? Is it sharp shooting morning, night after certain foods? Those are things that you're going to delve into and dive into. And then once you have that information, you know, either present it to your PCP or to your child, like your, 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 um, child's dentist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I completely agree. And one of the things I find with adults and I, I mean, obviously th this would happen with kids also. I think one of the major causes of sensitivity is improper oral hygiene, um, habits. I, I think if we're not brushing and flossing enough, that inflammation that's created in the mouth obviously affects the gums and the gums get swollen. And then when once you actually resolve that and there, there's less inflammation now you there's parts of the teeth that were not used to being exposed to the mouth and the air and the cold water and different yeah. things like that so that's also a factor so keeping your your teeth and gums extremely healthy from the get-go is a real important factor to um preventing um unnecessary sensitivity i mean some people will just have more sensitive teeth like you said there, there's um defects there sometimes there's even genetic genetic anomalies with the enamel where some people will be more prone um and then again, using a, a good toothpaste and, and things like that. And like I said, good oral hygiene habits is extremely important um, to help uh, curb that, I guess. So true. You know, they, the, the taking care of your teeth is so important because if you don't take care of your gums, your gums get like very flappy and loose. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not very, they're, they, they, the adhesion, so to speak, gets a little bit, opens up. And as a result, if you drink something, it's going a step lower until and touches an area called the cementum, mm -hmm. which is a little bit more sensitive. So it's kind of the root of the tooth. Yeah. And that'll definitely cause zingers and discomfort. And so yeah. your goal is your tooth naturally wants to protect you from that area because that's where the stem cells reside. Yeah. And so as a result, it's a lot more protected and a little yeah. bit more, you know, sheltered. And if you don't brush and floss like you alluded to, you're opening, you can open, potentially open a can of worms with that. So great, yeah. great, uh, great addition to that. Yeah. Root, root exposure is, is, a main cause of sensitivity. I mean, if you if, if you have the roots of the teeth exposed, it's much more porous and, and much softer tissue than the enamel of the teeth. But, um, enamel is actually the hardest tissue in the body. It's harder than bone. So yep. com compared to, to anything else, I mean, it, it's going to be less sensitive. So there, uh, that was a great question. There, There is definitely some kind of underlying reason as to why um, sensitivity is, is so paramount. And I personally believe that all the different chemicals that they have in some of the, the bigger name brand toothpaste are, are not helping with that at all. So, Agree. and how hard people brush. I mean, so using a soft bristle toothbrush, I can't tell you how many, and it's a specific question on the medical history when people come in, what type of toothbrush to use? Some people don't even have a clue. And a lot, a, a good, a good percentage are probably like 25% of people use a medium or hard toothbrush. And that's just way too abrasive for your gums. You're going to cause recession. People think if they brush real hard that they're going to do a better job cleaning. I mean, maybe to a degree, but you're also going to cause, when you do that consistently, you're going to cause more damage and more harm than you are good. Yes. So, so true. So um, true. There was someone in the beginning who talked about like bre uh, feeding a child, like, you know, breast milk or water before yes. bed. Yes. I don't want to leave that person out. But my child, if your child is breastfed or take a bottle, you know, totally fine. I think, you know, you don't ever want your child child to be failure to thrive. Mm -hmm. So whatever they need, you know, in the time being, obviously the goal eventually is one day they're going to stop feeding through the night. But if you are feeding through the night, you're a new mom or you're someone who's nursing still, totally fine. Just make sure if you're able to at least wipe off the gums of their teeth, you know, and uh, wipe off the gums and wipe off the teeth with a washcloth, mm -hmm. at least that. Now I know everyone's life circumstances are different and some days are harder than other, but wherever you can be mindful to do that, that'll go a long way. Yeah. I know you can't keep a toothbrush everywhere you can, but if you're able to brush, that's probably even better. 
But sometimes some parents are afraid of waking their child up because they just want to feed and the child is trying to sleep. But a washcloth very gently, especially on the backside of the teeth, the front teeth, yeah. um, will, will work wonders. So yeah. whatever you can do. It's not just the teeth that you can see that you, that you need to take care of. Yes. So yes. It, it, it's all the way in the back and also behind. Um, I, I mean, there's actually even, even a term for the baby bottle uh, disease decay or, or yep. decay. Um, so, I mean, people will actually let the, the baby fall asleep with the baby bottle in their mouth. I mean... Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Please don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a number of reasons. But yeah, a bottle um, of water is okay. Some parents are like, my child can't go to sleep without a bottle. So if you want to do a bottle of water, cool. Yeah, sweet. That, that that's I'm okay with that. You know, for a time for a certain time length, and then you get orthodontic changes if they're suckling on a bottle and stuff. But hey, I'll, bottle of water, two thumbs up. Totally fine. Absolutely, um, totally agree. Um, another one. The question was uh, good ways to balance the pH um, in, in someone's mouth. So after eating. What were some of the th- things that you would recommend doing? Because um, I know you said there's like that 20, 30 minute window where there's going to be a, a more of an acidic environment. But what are some of the things that we can do to kind of curb that? Um, yeah, that biggest thing is water. Changing. Spike. Yeah, yeah, drink water. Like rinse your mouth out with water and then drink water. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the biggest thing. Don't brush right away. So a lot of people think I'll oh, brush right away. Remember, your mouth is acidic for 20 minutes. So you brushing can cause more erosion, can actually worsen uh, you know, the symptom and worsen the, the, the yeah. structure of the enamel of the tooth. So wait the 20 minutes till your mouth becomes basic and then brush. Um, and so which is one thing that a lot of people forget to do because you're in the morning, you're in a rush. So which is why there's no right or wrong answer. I personally just like to brush in the morning, get it, quote unquote, get it over with. Mm-hmm. But that way I'm not worried about, hey, like I didn't brush my teeth, I just ate. Oh my gosh, now something, something happens, it's life, something's gonna happen. And then all of a sudden you forget to brush. And that's what you don't want to do, especially after a night of bacteria and all that load yeah. um, in there. So brush your teeth, brush your tongue. Your tongue is a big niche for bacteria too. Yeah, so it's the biggest harbor of bacteria in your mouth is, is yes. on your tongue. So de- definitely, and again, you don't have to brush hard. You just have to be consistent and efficient at doing these things. It's not about Very scrubbing true. really hard or anything like that. Um, I, another nice. thing, I mean, P, and I agree with you. That's what I tell people P, for pH balancing, water. Just water. clean, yep clean simple water you can swish with it you can spit it out even if you want you obviously just drinking it is fine too um but overall if you if you think that you notice you you have some sort of uh ph imbalance really look into what you're eating processed foods high carbohydrate and high sugar foods things like that that we were talking about in the talk before are are all going to lead to an imbalance of the ph and lowering the ph to create a more acidic environment yeah Somebody said, I don't drink enough water. Hey, that's cool. And you're mindful. The, the goal here is mindfulness. That's why, like I said, it's all easy. The mindful doctor. It's about implementing practices that make each one of us mindful mm-hmm. in our day-to-day routine just so we can become better versions of ourselves. Yeah. That's the goal of life. Yeah. It, you it, never, you never stop. You, we, we, no, no one makes it. And by the time you make it, you're dead. So, the, But the, yeah. whole goal is to like, <laughs> the whole goal is to get better and better every day. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, not, it's not about judging or, or being hard on yourself. I mean, especially and this is why I tell patients, I mean, if you're if you're not flossing, like, I mean, zero out of seven days a week, I don't expect people to just to go to seven days a week right away. Awesome. If you if somebody has the discipline, they can create and, and they just oh, the light bulb goes off and they can just do it. Fantastic. Do it. But most people just need to work into creating those good habits, put the floss next to the toothbrush and just start creating the good habits. And once you get there, fantastic. But don't don't kill yourself if you miss one night or something like that. I mean, just yeah. it's just about being consistent and doing it and you'll notice the difference. And then, I mean, to me, that's a good feeling. It's like, oh, damn, I forgot the floss. Like, I, I need to do that. That's that's a big yeah. change for people. 
I mean, and it's really important and it's so simple and elementary, but like, it's really, really, I mean, I, I talk to people and you see their face and they're just like, oh, and I'm like, oh, it, may, it, <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Like, I mean, yeah. you, you got to you, like if you have uh, some kind of infection or, or inflamed area on your leg, you're not going to just look at it and be like, oh, that'll get better. I don't need to worry about it. I mean, it's the same thing going on in your mouth. It's just creating awareness and not scrutinizing yourself to, to the point where you create anxiety and, and you don't even want to do it anymore. Just exactly. be you. And like you said, it's just about creating good habits and being the best version of yourself. That's what mean, being mindful is. Bringing yourself to the present moment and just accepting where you're at and say, okay, I'm not going to get crazy or get all depressed about the things that I haven't done or the things that I need to do in the future. What can I do right now? What are the simplest things I can do right now to make myself better in whatever way as small, it can be as small of a change or as big of a change. As long as you're working to make yourself better, that's, that's really the the most important thing. Um, I got a couple of minutes here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, no. No, you're fine. I, fine. I I just quit smoking after four years because I noticed how swollen my lymph nodes were. What would you recommend to detoxify my throat and start healing? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer. This is beyond the scope of my, my knowledge. Yeah, I, I mean, don't, I, I don't I, mind saying that. I, I, yeah, and, and same thing with me. I, again, I, I'm, I, I know some function, functional medicine doctors that can help with um, detox processes and things like that. Um, I, I have not looked into. I mean, just stopping smoking. Congratulations. That, that alone, yeah, your body will naturally, I mean, detox itself over time. Um, because that is a huge step and so many people aren't able to take that step. Um, please feel free to message me, uh, privately and I can get you into contact with people that can help with, with other, uh, detox pathways, um, not that, that it's done naturally, whether it's an Ayurvedic doctor, naturopathic doctor, functional medicine doctor, I have a lot of contacts. Um, right, and yeah. I'm sure Dr. Shahat knows a lot of people as well. Feel free to reach out to, to either and both of us. So please, um, Let's see. Alkaline diet does help, of course. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of suggestions do you give to a dental student regarding studies? So, what mm-hmm. uh, suggestions? Good question. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, okay. it's broad, I guess. I mean, I would just say soak in everything you know. Challenge, challenge the system. Mm-hmm. You know, learn, learn. You know, your 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 mission. Obviously, when you're in dental school, your goal is to get through it. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's, the given is to get, you know, do, do the best that you can. Don't get caught up on the minutia of details. Yeah. Um, just put your best foot forward. Be the best person you can be. If you get a C on a test, but you worked your butt off, enjoy the process of how much you learned. Then then, then, the, then the result, you know, the grade itself. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we, we've all gone through dental school. There's so many things I don't use from a dental school on a day-to-day basis. So, you're not really going to yeah. optimize everything you learn. You're going to optimize actually very little of kind of what you learn on a day-to-day basis. So mm-hmm. just make the most of it, like I said, and challenge yourself and learn. Learn for yourself. I think Absolutely. you're going to be it's, it's as simple as that. Totally agree. I mean, look, they, we, they still teach amalgams in dental school. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, and to whether I, do, I or somebody else agrees or disagrees, I mean, it is what it is. And I, I think the knowledge of, of the past is important. I mean, to, know, to, to move forward from where we're at, we should know where we came from. So Absolutely. I mean, it, it's really that that is very important. Um, but like you said, I mean, just read and research and get I, I, personally what I like to do is hear a lot of different people's opinions, thoughts, different research from all different sides, because I try and be in the middle. I'm, I mean, not to bring in a, a political analogy, but I mean, there's extremes on the left and there's extremes on the right. And I'll look at information from both sides. And I, I mean, I, I'm not perfect and I'm not saying I'm the most brilliant person out there, but you can kind of uh, distinguish between what's 
BS and what's okay. That, that makes a little yeah. bit more sense. And then you just try and be in the middle. So, I, I mean, and that's how I formulate my opinions and my thoughts. And, and when I, when I tell that to other people, I'm saying, this is the information that I've gathered from ABC all, all the way through X, Y, and Z. And this is what I, the conclusion I've come to. Those conclusions can change over time, given new information. That's the thing about, about being flexible and, and, and being open to new information. When we become yeah. rigid, extremely rigid, and, and don't want to change our ways, that's when we start kind of losing our way, in my opinion. Agree.